Don't call me arrogant because what I, I'm saying is true. I'm not one of of the bottle. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. You don't seem that happy that you've won. More than you believe. More than you believe I'm happy. It's already sh So you have not to say uh, I saw it was sh So you can try to... Um, yeah, that would help in a game like this. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Oh, you know already before you ask, that's a sh question. I like that, that, is, that you still ask it. You don't have to, you don't have to. I'm so happy, believe me. I'm so happy, happy new year. Lions, they don't compare themselves with humans. Three for me and two for them. Respect, 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 man, respect, respect. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? How are we doing? Man, it feels good to be doing some content again. I am your host. This is the Touchline Band Podcast. I'm your host here, Leo, aka the Gutsy Greek, and I'm joined by the one, the only, aka Fade My Player. Are we, are we telling people your real name? Or are you gonna? Yeah, keep yeah, absolutely. Yeah, baby, that's right. Brian, aka Fade My Play. What's up, brother? I'm feeling good. I mean, could be a little bit better uh, how we got a result yesterday, but I absolutely am pumped to be talking about some footy with you. Glad we're getting the band back together and uh, talking a little bit of shit, talking a little bit of footy, getting all things uh, betting involved. But yeah, man, let's go. I'm ready to go, man. I got to tell you, you guys got screwed yesterday. For those of you that don't know, I am a huge Manchester City fan. I love Manchester City. We're going to talk about my man crush on Erling Holland later on because he's God's gift to this earth. Uh, but we obviously got to start off Arsenal United. Biggest game of the weekend. Most controversial game of the weekend because, I mean, Zinchenko is clearly offside. You can show me whatever video you want. You can show me whatever line you want. I don't care if you tilt the ruler. It's still a straight line. It just ain't the right straight line. Zinchenko was off by a freaking mile. There's no way, no how you can – you can no, no, he's offside. It was clear. Um, I'm more upset about this than you are. I Why? Yeah. I mean, firstly, I think when you look at the game as a whole, I think it was pretty even, which I love to see. But I think that if I'm being super honest, like just brutally honest, United still have a long way to go. I don't think that they're yet there yet, but I think a lot of the United fandom after, you know, stringing six wins on the bounce together, uh, you know, beating City, they were just like, oh, we're in a title race. We're right there. And I think it's like, <laughs> we need to step back a little bit, understand that we still got a long way to go. We still have a lot of the same problems. We have a much, much better situation. I think the team has very much bought into Ten Hogs uh, style of managing. I think we look a lot better, but when you think about where a lot of other clubs are in terms of their development, in terms of rebuilding their club, we still are definitely in the early stages of that. And this was an opportunity for us to kind of realize that, yeah, we're not quite at the level to be saying that we're ready to go against some of the best teams in the league. That being said, I will say, I don't think Arsenal are the best team in the league, but they're putting together wins when they have to. I fucking hate watching Arteta. He's just the most annoying person on earth. Oh, uh, stop but, it. You know, what oh, you stop it. You'd sell your left nut for Arteta. No, not a chance. Not oh. over Ten Hag. Not a chance. Oh, stop it. Oh, stop it. You wouldn't take Arteta over Ten Hag. Ten Hag has all these rich players. He basically got handed. He's taken any player that he wants pretty much. He kicked out a legend from the club. And then you look at Mikel Arteta. Listen, look at that Arsenal side. You cannot tell me that Arsenal side 
is a top four team talent wise. There's no way. Okay, but you're kind of like, but this is what I'm saying, right? So Arteta was given the keys to a team that literally cleared out pretty much everyone and was told to clear out everyone. He's been given so much time and a bunch of young new players, which are incredible talents for as young as they are and have a long way to go, will get better. But it's like he doesn't have to deal with any of the egos. He doesn't have to deal with established winners because Arsenal has been fucking dog shit for so long. Like he doesn't have to work with any of that. You look at a guy like Ten Hag, you look at Pep, you look at even to a certain extent Conte. It's like they come into squads that are already at a level where players believe they are elite. Players believe they should be getting huge wages and shouldn't have to do anything they don't want to do and blah, 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 blah. Arteta didn't have to deal with any of that shit. He got an absolute ride under Pep at City, then comes to Arsenal. They clear everyone out and say, this is your team now. And everyone's like, oh, he's so incredible. How long has it taken him to get to this point? Arsenal have been an afterthought in talking about the title. Champions League, forget about it. Like they, they have been just building to where they are now and don't get me wrong i think they're extremely good and if we're just judging on the season you know uh better than united and that's fine but i'm just saying what arteta has done versus what ten Hag has done with the personalities and the time frame that he's been there and fucking management not giving us any ability to get the players that we want in transfers we're getting people like about Veghorst. like no offense to him who gives a shit like we need big time defensive midfielders we need a proper striker up front and yet our owners who are dog shit thank god they're selling it but they won't buy anyone so he's having to like piecemeal together all of this like with casemiro out we play mctominay and martial out we have no options up front as a central striker so we're playing about Veghorst, who just got there anyway i don't know i don't know so your case is that Eric Ten Hag has to deal with personalities because they're already elite players that have come in for massive transfer fees that have an ego because they just came in for massive transfer fees and they're already established players. Meanwhile, Mikel Arteta got dealt Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And because it took him two years rather than eight months to figure it out, oh, he's not better than Ten Hag. Oh, by the way, uh, Arteta is actually winning the league while Ten Hag, we're celebrating him for being third. Third. I'm not celebrating him. You even said it yourself. I'm just saying that as a manager, seeing the strides that he's making, I'm very impressed. But also, and I have no problem admitting this, Arsenal are better squad right now. So you have to give the credit to Arteta. I just don't like watching him. And I think that he, what he's gotten from his players is nothing short of incredible. And I think he deserves all the credit in the world. Absolutely. I'm just saying that I personally would not take him over to not like if you put Arteta into the situation at Manchester United where Ten Hag was brought in I'm not sure it goes the same way I mean I think you've heard me say this I said this about a year ago before we got Holland I was all aboard the fire pep train I had enough of pep I had enough of the choking in big games and the guy I named to to pick him up was uh Mikel Arteta I love Arteta dude he's a baby pep he's a baby pep and he's doing it with not great players, dude. I mean, listen, coming into this year, let's look at this lineup that Arsenal put out yesterday. Aaron Ramsdale was an absolute joke at Bournemouth. He was absolutely atrocious. Give him a ton of credit. Zinchenko, people kind of gave up on Zinchenko, especially as a left back. I still think that's his worst position. Gabriel was a good signing. Saliba was a good signing, but relative unknowns. Uh, ben White, who the hell heard of Ben White before this season? Or 
who thought he'd be this good. Martin Odegaard was good, but he still had a lot to prove. Thomas Partey, he was a guy that was kind of established and fine. I'll give you that one. Granit Xhaka, everybody gave up on this dude before uh, this season. And then up top, you have Martinelli, completely unproven. Now you have Nketiah, another completely unproven player that turns out to be the player of the game yesterday, scores two goals and wins it. And then Bukayo Saka, who we all saw the talent, but again, completely unproven. Um, I almost called him Pep. Arteta is helping them prove themselves, putting them in the best position. He's putting them in positions to win. He's changing his system for them and saying, go get it, guys. This is how you're going to do it. And you know what? It's working beautifully. And I don't think I don't think Arsenal are going to win the league this year. I still think it's Manchester City. Manchester City is just we're a juggernaut, man. We're we're yeah. out to win everything. Um, but if Arsenal come back and win it, I'm good with it, man. I'm good with it just because Arteta's my boy. I love him. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather see Arsenal win it than City for sure. So oh, stop it, stop it. I mean, okay, I think everyone would, other than City fans. Yeah, well, you know what? They're losers. They're just jealous of us. They're jealous City of the that we've created. Yeah. They're jealous of the fact that we have the Early best Holland. goal scorer that we've ever seen. I'm, I'm going to put him up there. He's the best pure goal scorer I've ever seen in my lifetime. I think we'll ever see in our lifetime. And I'm sick of people that are just sitting there and talking about Erling Holland like, oh, he's just a goal scorer, as if that's a negative. Like, oh, yeah. poor guy. He only has 25 goals in the first first half of the year. Huh. Yeah. I, I mean, also with Holland, it's like, I and we were talking about this the other day is like the more I've watched him and the more I've actually studied him as a footballer it's like he's not a great footballer like you don't want him dribbling the ball you don't want him really distributing the ball but that's not his job and so he doesn't need to you look at Zlatan one of the greatest goal scorers of all time that's not his game either and he's incredible literally one of the best to ever do it for the same reason now I think Holland has the opportunity to be better but when you look at what he does and what he does well there's nobody right now that i can say is better at it than him and that is just getting goals like if you bring in someone because and we were all saying this like every single person city fan or not was saying if city had a real striker they'd be unstoppable and what do they do they go out and get not just a real striker but probably the best striker and what's he fucking doing scoring so it's like <laughs> it's this very slippery slope of like yeah you can talk yourself into saying holland has a lot of deficiencies but where he is proficient is being the best to put the ball in the back of the net. And that's all they want him for. They don't need him to play defense. They don't need him to distribute. They have Kevin De Bruyne. They have Elkay Gundogan. Like this is an epic, epic signing for City. And I think that it will prove to be their path to their first UCL win. Um, yeah, baby. But I don't think this year, uh, but yeah. But you know what? The more that we talked about it, and I told you, I actually admitted it in that conversation that we had last week where I don't know if Holland is all that great of a footballer, but then I started to think about it. At Manchester City, he doesn't need to be. If you watch a full City game, they barely pass him the ball. He barely touches the ball. He shouldn't either. I mean, that's one way to go. But then you look at what he did at Borussia Dortmund. You look at what he did at Salzburg, specifically yeah. Salzburg in the Champions League. He can dribble. He can shoot. He can create stuff. He can do whatever you need the guy to do. Okay? He just doesn't need to do it here. He just needs to show up, be in the right position, and tuck it away. And, like, dude, I'm not taking anything away from this guy. This guy is a combination of Zlatan, Lewandowski, and Kunaguero. Like, 
he he has the power of Zlatan. He has the finishing ability of Lewandowski. And he has the smarts of Kunaguero, who always knew where to be in the right moment and score a goal. And I started thinking about it, like, who's the best pure goal scorer that we've seen? Um, and it came down to Zlatan and Lewandowski for me. Those two yeah, guys, sure. the two best pure goal scorers. And Hollins at 22 years old is already better than them. The sky is the limit for this dude. And we all I mean, I, I would I would pump the brakes on saying already better, like has the chance to be for sure. Yeah. But I mean, again, you're and and this is also part of your fandom, but like you're overlooking the fact that a lot of people would look incredible on this city team. Because Name of who they something have around that Holland them. doesn't do well. Name something that Holland doesn't have. Dribble. Pass. He can dribble. Defend. He just doesn't need to. You're, you're proving my point is that you put Lewandowski, you put Zlatan on this city team when they're his age. What are we talking about here? You put Ronaldo, you put Messi, it doesn't matter. You put any really capable striker at the front of this team. And Jesus was not a capable striker. Sterling was not a capable striker. Out and out striker. Come on, be honest. Look no. at Kunaguero. He's fucking five, six. And the dude was incredible. Like you just, I think you have to pump the brakes on saying better than all these people until one, we see more of him, but also when we see him do it without having the people that he has around. Now, again, that may never happen because I'm fair enough to him, but I just think that he's by far and away the best right now. He's the best in the Prem for sure. And if he keeps doing this for a few years, I mean, sky's the limit. But you wouldn't have said him at Borussia Dortmund was better than Zlatan or Lewandowski in their prime. So coming to City where you have the most cakewalk like half of his goals are literal tap-ins and i'm not taking that away from him you still got to be there you have to know what you're doing but if he were to play on a team without as much around him creating for him it might be a different story zlatan has proved he can score with no one around him or with everyone around him same with Lewandowski, even though he's really struggling at barca it's just it's incredible to see what holland's doing but a lot of that is down to pep and the team around him making it as easy as possible this is what I'm saying, though. Lewandowski was never a quick striker. He doesn't have a whole lot of pace. I love yeah. Lewandowski. He's not a yeah. quick striker. He's not all that great on his left foot. Um, in the air, he's pretty good. I'd put him around like a B-. minus. Mm. Zlatan, for as strong as he was, he was never great in the air. He had some pace, but he wasn't that fast. He was the strongest dude on earth. But he was never that good with his opposite foot either. Highland yeah. can score left right he can run right past you if you need to he just never needs to because we always control the ball and there's no room for him to run yep sometimes you just i'm not not disagreeing with you yeah i'm not disagreeing with you i'm just saying we should pump the brakes on a single incredible season like robin van persie in 2013 like the best player on earth we have to stop the nonsense that this is one single incredible season i mean let me break down your break down his career he's got 25 goals in 19 games for Manchester City, you admitted you admitted a few minutes ago that Borussia Dortmund team is not nearly as good as Manchester City, obviously. But he had to create more himself. He had to do more himself. He had 22 goals in 24 games last year for Borussia Dortmund in the Bundesliga, which is a very good league. The year before that, he had 27 goals in 28 games. The year before that, he had uh, 13 goals in 15 games. That was the year I believe he was transferred out from Salzburg. 
that again, all for Borussia Dortmund. And then in the Champions League, where he broke out with Salzburg, a Salzburg team that had a lot of young talent on it, but it's Salzburg in the Champions League. I mean, the guy is exceptional. He has excelled everywhere in this myth that he's going to be a pet product. has started to drive me wild. We all need to appreciate how ridiculous. He's saying he's going to be a pet product. No, there are people out there saying that he's just going to be one of these pet products. Like, he's going to be one of those guys. It's a system type thing where if you show up as the striker in Pep's system, you're going to score a ton of goals. That is not the case. This is a special guy. We should not wait till he's 33 doing his, like, um, what what do they do these days? The farewell tour. We shouldn't yeah. wait till he's 33 doing a farewell tour to appreciate how good this dude is. It needs to be now. And you know yeah. what? People talk a lot about Mbappe. I say the same thing about Mbappe. I have a real fear with Mbappe that he's almost too athletic for his own good, okay? To use an NBA comp, Mbappe reminds me of Derrick Rose, something that we've never seen before, ridiculously athletic, unbelievably good, and I understand that it's a different sport and there's not as much jumping and stuff, but he also kind of reminds me of Ronaldo Nazario. Same type of player. God, I hope his knees hold up. If he holds up, he's going to be the best player we've ever seen. But I don't think he's going to hold up. I just think he's too athletic for his own good, and it's a matter of time, unfortunately, till he pops something. It's going to yeah. be heartbreaking. And at that point, we're talking about Holland is the best. So appreciate Holland, goddammit. I do. I do. I'm All I'm saying, and again, I was a giant fan of him before he went to City. Like, I followed him at Dortmund, and I really believe that he is one of the true great talents that we have right now. And hopefully with him and Odegaard uh, really starting to – take the helm for Norway we'll see them you know make a little noise in the Euros in the next World Cup but it's like we're looking at stretches right Holland for the last two and a half seasons has been like up on that next level but it's about sustainability and it's about the people around him how are they going to make his life better in terms of winning multiple championships multiple different cups because you look at like I'm just one run that I have in mind, right, was even though, again, we're not, obvious, this is ages ago, but it's just so clear in my head because it happened so quickly. But it's like, you look at Robin Van Persie, his last two seasons at Arsenal, first season at Manchester United, it was like, there was no striker better on the planet than him in that moment. And everyone was saying that. I mean, his first season for United, he had 30 goals and nine assists. Like, that's unreal. He looked unbeatable. And his next season, 26 goals, nine assists. And then it's like, as the team around him started to deteriorate, you know, his final two seasons with United, 12 goals, three assists, 10 goals, two assists. And it's because the rest of United was essentially becoming too old. And you look at City and their players are getting old and their defense is pretty shaky. So I think that getting the most out of Holland will require them to, yeah. Your defense, defense is shaky, is bro. Why the fuck do you think? What What are you talking about? Why do you think teams are scoring on you all the time? We've allowed the third least goals in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Shaky. But when you play, when you play legit teams, they score on you. <laughs> Come on, dude. Come on. How much are we gonna nitpick now? But uh, but again, I'm just saying you cannot deny that your team is getting old and they're oh, not yeah. as elite as they used to be and in order to take advantage of this holland window that you have you need to be very very smart although it doesn't matter for you because you just have unlimited money so i guess oh i'm glad you said that because i i have a fun game that we're gonna play but you need to you need to think about 
who you're bringing in from a creative standpoint so that he can continue to do what he does best and you're never having to start relying on him taking the ball in space fucking 40 yards like look at think about harry kane in the world cup right he is not a ball handler yet he was picking up the ball inside his own fucking half that's never going to be a path to success and this is all me just grasping at straws in the future of things that haven't happened yet because i'm not you know a city fan but like you you can see elements of it that in a year in two years you need to really make sure that he's being supported by the kind of people that he is now but you can afford it yeah, I mean, listen, this is the this is the worst Manchester City team I've seen outside of Holland. Uh, I mean, I love Ederson. I'm not over the moon about our defense, but I'm confident mm. in them. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Akanji – I mean, Akanji's been all right. You still got Laporte. You still got Ruben Diaz. I'm, I'm good with it. But, like, yeah. the midfield area, Rodri, I've never really liked that much. Uh, Gundogan, I can't stand. Um and even the wings and stuff, Riyad Mahrez, I'm not a fan of. Grealish isn't all that good. Mm. Um, you know, people always talk about the depth, and we have a bunch of 85s over there. That's why I love the signing of Julian Alvarez when we did it. He's a young player that's going to come in. He's got pace. He can still develop. He's going to do good things under Pep. Still have Bernardo Silva that should be playing more than he is. Hopefully, he wants to stay. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, they still have holes to fill in the next couple of years. But, yeah, Manchester City, the big thing about Manchester City, I always talk about this, is that we know how to spend. We very rarely make bad transfers. Uh, big money transfers, I should say. We don't make a ton of them compared to everybody else. And – if we're being honest, some of these big money transfers, a good majority of them, don't really work out that well. I mean, like, I pulled up a list right here of the top 100 most expensive transfers, and we're obviously not going to run through all of them. But let's run through the top 10. Tell yeah. me how many of these actually worked out well, and they were worth it. For who? For who? It's going to be the top 10. Top 10 oh, most okay. expensive transfers. Well, we ever. know what the number one worst transfer of all time at least in recent years, is. But, okay, keep going. Grealish? No. Oh. All right. Come on. Number Come one on. Number one's Neymar. Neymar to PSG. $222 million. That's not worth it. That didn't work. They have one I mean, you know, they, they win the league every year, but who cares? Yeah. It's a farmer's league. It's a joke of a league. We will never speak of the Liga Un here on this podcast. It I is a pretty end. shit league. I'm the one that will be editing this. I will edit everything out about that <laughs> Um, uh, Killian Mbappe to PSG. Check that one off. That one worked out beautifully for PSG. Uh, this is where things kind of go downhill. Jao Felix to Atletico Madrid for 126 million. Yikes. Catastrophic. Yikes. Felipe Coutinho from Liverpool to Barcelona. Oof. 120 million plus 40 million in add-ons. Catastrophic. Wasn't good. Antoine Griezmann, Atletico Madrid to Barcelona, 120 million. Not good. Next up, Jack Grealish. You stink. I'm happy to see him actually playing well. Lately, he's not very good, though. $117 million. Romelu Lukaku from Inter to Chelsea. That's Oof. the one you were talking about, wasn't it? No, no, it's not. Really? I mean, I'm not talking about pure money. I'm just talking about money spent versus, pro like, production for what we thought. I would, I would argue Harry Maguire's easily top 10 worst transfer because everything else is a striker. Like you have to gamble on strikers spending 85 million on a fucking central defender. That is such a liability. He's not even playing anymore is bananas. Like a hundred million on Jack Grealish when it doesn't affect your bank account. 
whatever. You know, like <laughs> Antoine Griezmann was so out. incredible at Atletico. Why not? But like when you spend 85 million pounds on a fucking central defender that you can't even play anymore, it is, I mean, a tr- fucking travesty. You want like to- a travesty. I actually have the top Manchester United one. So the point I was making is about eight of the 10 didn't work out. The only one that you can really debate is Gareth Bale to Real Madrid. I think that one worked out fine. I think it's, I mean, the guy scored one of the most iconic goals of all time to pretty much win it. So, yeah, I'm good with that one. I I checked that one off too. But the point I was making is that two of the 10 most expensive transfers have actually worked out for the team. Now, most expensive transfers here by Manchester United, Paul Pogba, most expensive. That did not work out. It worked out against City one time. That was worth it. Good times. Uh, Harry Maguire, you want to keep going on that one? I mean, nothing else needs to be said. The guy guy was our captain for three years, cost 85 million pounds. In that time, we averaged over a goal allowed every single game, and he no longer plays. Like, that is – that's all you need to know. Mm -hmm. That's all – a central defender – that doesn't even get on the pitch anymore. That's all you need to know. So 0 for 2. 0 for 2 so far. Next, buying Romelu Lukaku from Everton for 80, uh, sorry, 75 million. Didn't work I mean, Yeah, like I never thought that would be a good transfer because I've said it from the beginning. I've said it on shows with you. I've said it on Twitter. Romelu Lukaku is born to play in the Serie A or the league we don't speak of because he is as big and strong and intense as he is. He is so soft. I mean, him playing in Germany or the Prem, he just got absolutely pushed around, knocked down. He couldn't handle it. And you see it when he plays in the World Cup with Belgium. It's like he, for as big as he is, is so soft on the ball. And it's like you look at Manchester United and we just can't, we can't have strikers that if you're going to be an out-and-out striker, you need to body people and he was getting tossed out of it by everyone so yeah i've i've by always Maguire been... almost like what by harry Maguire almost no i mean he doesn't even play defense he comes forward and then just lets people in behind him yeah no 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 no, no. <laughs> but just to finish off the top five we already talked about the top three uh yeah. angel di maria from real madrid that was a massive bust yeah it sucked and finally fred Jury's still out on that for me, but I think because I think Fred's getting better, but I also think he benefits from not having to be the standalone defensive midfielder. So it's like when he and Casemiro play together, that's fantastic. But also I think that he's learning a lot from Casemiro and learning a lot from Eric Ten Hag and is becoming way less of a liability. But I also say that, and I text this to you, of course, it's a Fred deflection that leads to the winning goal for Arsenal. So, you know, it's all fun and games, but I would say, Fred, I, I'm i still a believer that that can come good. Yep. Uh, so, listen, I'm going to go through the Manchester City ones now. Let's I'm going to start at number seven. All right, we're going to go through the top seven. Yep. Emmerich Laporte, love him, one of the most underrated central defenders in the world. How often does he play? Well, when he's not hurt. He's been okay. Listen, dude, this year he's been a little injury riddled, but overall, I, I would 100% say he's been worth it. Yeah, how is he for Spain? I don't care. Suck it up for Spain. I hate the Spanish national team. They're nuisances. Okay. I enjoyed that Morocco win more than anybody I would, on planet Earth. I would say, I would say that's like a 50-50. Like, you can't okay. call that a true success. 
Okay, fine. But you can make a case for it. Okay. Check mark. Uh, Joe Cancelo, A+. Plus. Obviously. No questions asked. Yeah. Reed Mares. The guy produces. He does. He does. Like I, like I was saying to you, end. like I was saying to you, he's he's useless in half the side of the fucking field. But, I mean, you get it to him on his left foot. It's crazy to me that people let him cut into his left foot all the time. I think that's one of the things that is, like, so staggering as a fan when you watch something that everybody knows is going to happen. And yet it happens every time. But the guy, the guy gets goals and wins games. Yep. So. yep. so you can check that. How much was he? Sixty-seven. Oh, nothing. <laughs> That's not the point. The point is they spend well. He's worth it. He's succeeding. Well, I, I, I'm genuinely serious. I, I wouldn't have surprised me if you said a hundred million. So, Ruben Diaz, hundred percent. Obviously, very exceptional. Good. Yep. So so far. We all of them so far have been a check mark, except for yep. Laporte, who you can you can argue all you want. Erling Holland, there we are not even going to talk about this. No point. Uh Kevin De Bruyne. Obviously. And Jack Grealish, who that's a bust. That's a bust. And 100%. again, I, I he's in the Fred category for me. I think it's one, the fact that City don't play him in his natural position, so he's destined mm-hmm. to fail, but also he could come good i don't know i think the biggest difference though also is that one your owners are very willing to make things happen when they need to versus other clubs especially manchester united whose owners are fucking dog shit but like it takes so much effort and energy and everything to squeeze out any money or or ability to make transfers that by the time we do we're left with either one so few options or we've haggled so much with the player that they're just like fuck it i don't need your bullshit so I think we're at a detriment there. But yeah, I, I mean, you guys spend extremely well, but also it's like, it's such an easy thing to be like, hey, come to City where we have Pep and a team that can't stop winning and the best midfielder in the game, arguably, best creative midfielder in the game. Come come win but and get paid is- a shitload of money. Pretty much name your price. Whereas... <laughs> Someone else, like, for instance, Manchester United, one, we can't do the name your price thing because our owners are fucking garbage and not even about spending money just because they try and haggle every absolutely everyone, which is insane to me. But more importantly, it's like, hey, come to a rebuilding franchise with a bunch of personalities that don't exactly get on. Come to a rebuilding franchise where we've spent, Chelsea, I mean now, where we've spent so much money and still have zero identity and keep going through managers like they're fucking Skittles, like... I think that the appeal of city is so easy and so obvious that to someone that is like, I want to win trophies, you know, you're guaranteed at least one every year at city granted, none of the ones that matter UCL, but like you're probably going to win the league or at the very least the FA cup, which is, I personally think an important trophy. So it's like, Hey, you can guaranteed one important trophy every year and maybe a shot at the UCL or go to another side where you might have an opportunity to win one of those if you're very lucky right now. Like, there's no better place to go than City right now. It sucks to say, but it's the truth. Two points on this. The point I was making when I was running through this list is that Manchester City have this uh, have this theory about them that all they do is just outspend everybody, which is not true because all of those transfers I just listed to you, outside of Jack Grealish, who was an absurd amount of money for a player I didn't like, Everyone outside of Grealish was 76 million or less. Okay, but but 
transfer fees don't include okay i i agree with you in one sense but they don't include player incentives they don't include player salary so like holland you've got for nothing but when you tally up what he's getting per week his player incentives goal scoring incentives his manager and agent fees it's an unreal amount of money however none of that fucking matters because you're winning and he's doing really well and again it's not affecting your wallet so like again you you spend well but you don't really need to think about it. You don't need to think about wages. You don't need to think about transfer fees. You don't need to think about incentives. You can just say yes to all of those things. And whilst I'm not putting that, like, I would love to have that problem. That's not a fucking problem. But I don't think it's that you spend more. It's just that when you find a player you like, you can back the truck up for him. Like Chelsea are spending it just the most mind-blowing rate I've ever seen in my life. And getting nothing for it because they're spending all their money on transfer fees and then can only afford whatever wages. Whereas you say to Holland, he's the only player you really want and in reality only need. Okay, we'll pay whatever the transfer fee is to Borussia Dortmund. But then Erling, what are your terms? And then he says, well, we're thinking we'd like this and this. And you can just say, okay. Like that's a massive difference. You know, like Manchester United, hey, we'll pay the 80 million pound transfer fee for sure for Jaden Sancho. But then we need two weeks of fucking negotiation about what you're the best example. And this is straight from ownership is Alexander Garnacho, who I believe has the potential to be an extreme talent is so good for his age right now is making fantastic strides when he plays and should be playing more often. We just were haggling with him over fucking 25k a week pay the full fucking 70 a week it doesn't matter to us we pay fucking mctominay 75 a week we pay we pay fucking uh what's his name um the little blonde haired kid that never plays <laughs> shit i forget his name we pay him like 85k a week like why are we haggling with someone who could genuinely be a huge part of our future on something that is meaningless so i think the biggest freedom you have is not about transfer fees. It's about in the moment dealing with your players. And that's what's important because the players, they want to stay loyal to City. One, because they want to get paid, but because they get paid to win. Mm-hmm. That's right, baby. Manchester City's figured it God, out. God, that was such a painful conversation. Like saying all that out loud, fuck. I think we're going to enjoy this next one because you mentioned Chelsea. Uh, since Todd Bowley has come in, this dude has not stopped spending, and I'm really getting sick of people talking about how genius he is for, uh, I believe it was the Mudrik contract. That was an eight-year uh, eight year deal, and he's handed out all these massive baseball contracts to these soccer players, and mm-hmm. that's how he's stretching out the money, and that's how he's getting around financial fair play, and here's the American that came in, and he solved everybody's problems because America's smarter than everybody, even though we know nothing about the game of soccer, and he knew nothing about yeah. soccer when he came in. He's come in, he's cracked the code in roughly 15 minutes, um, and you know what? I'm enjoying watching Chelsea suffer. I'm enjoying watching their fans suffer. But you know what the thing is? It, the thing that's really started to get to me is one of my best friends, he's a Chelsea fan, okay? Mm-hmm. This kid, we played doubles together in high school. It's been nonstop with Chelsea since then. We've always had this rivalry. And at no point has he ever admitted that his team sucks. They suck. They're in 10th right now. They are not a good team. They have not spent well. Okay, Mahal Mudrik, sure, he looked real good for about 25 minutes. 
but I'm sick of hearing about how he's the next superstar in the world. Settle on down and let's watch him play a little bit, okay? This Chelsea team is currently in 10th. They have no striker. Their midfield has been meh. Their defense that they were so excited about, hey, not all that good. And you know what? You sacked a great manager for an average manager. Todd Bowley has no relative clue what the hell he is doing. And I'm so sick of Chelsea fans telling me, oh, it's a rebuild. Oh, this team that you beat Manchester City? Oh, this is our B team. Every time we have beat those bozos, okay, I hear, oh, that's our B team. You don't know what your A team is. Either yeah. you don't know what your A team is or you don't have an A team. Chelsea is not good. You are not a big team. You won the Champions League by accident because your coach was freaking brilliant. Okay. And then you fire your coach over Ronaldo and then don't even go sign Ronaldo, you morons. And you guys are still like, oh, well, we have Graham Potter. Oh, Graham Potter is coming in and he's going to fix everything. Yeah. Guess what? Graham Potter should have stayed over at Brighton because guess what? Brighton are four spots ahead of you in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, you you just nailed it. And also, you can't say it's a rebuild when you're spending half a billion pound on players coming to your squad in a single year, and it and your team's getting worse. Like, you, if your rebuild is to like build up a house of cards so it can flatten and then start again, maybe. But it's interesting when you look at Chelsea's moves are all defensive, yet their biggest problem is scoring. It's it, it, it's the logic thing that just I don't get what they're doing. And I fucking hate Graham Potter because I think he is the Gareth Southgate of club management right now. Yes. Like he's just there because he had a little bit of success and is just seen as this like really intelligent, forward thinking coach and blah, blah, blah. And it's like I would have kept Tuchel because I think he was a better manager for sure anyway. But it's like he Graham Potter has no identity. The, you look at what he did at Brighton and what he's doing right now, they're completely opposite in terms of style of play, in terms of the players they're bringing in. I just, I, I don't get what Chelsea are doing. And it makes me feel very odd about their the league in general, because you look at Liverpool as an aging side that is just kind of like dying slowly at the hands of staying true to the players they've had there for so many years. Whereas Chelsea is bringing in all these new players and just shooting themselves in the fucking head. Like it, it, it boggles my mind how they are constantly bringing in more and more players to all do the same thing. Like bringing in Sterling, you know, whatever, and Aubameyang, it's like, okay, cool. So you brought in the factory rejects of offense from other sides. Like, I, it's just, I don't understand what they're doing. They've spent 460 million euro in the last seven months, it, I just, I mean, what the fuck are you doing? Including, including 80 million pound for Wesley Fofana from Leicester. Like that is just mind blowing that you're willing to spend that transfer fee. I love that they're willing to spend that transfer fee, but to go get a player like Joe Felix, who has the potential to be a superstar, we're only going to take him on a loan. We're not, well, we're not going to spend the money. But also think about this, right? So like you in the last uh, two months, you have given a, and you can literally say this, a direct competition, Brighton. You gave them 65 million pounds for the uh, Cucurella transfer. And you gave much lower in the table, Leicester, 80 million pounds for the Fafana trade. 
So it's like you're you're not doing well in the league. So you're bolstering up these other clubs for players that you don't need and obviously aren't being successful for you and just lining their pockets so they can go out and get younger talent to probably do better than it's just I like I get it with Liverpool. I see what's happening with Chelsea. I I do not understand it. I really do not understand it. Like uh, every Liverpool decision he makes seems like fucking madness, except for the Mudrik one. But again, it's like you bring in you bring in Holland to I don't know fucking uh, you you bring him into Leicester right now. He might get a few goals here and there, but if you have a bunch of shit around him, his brilliance isn't gonna shine through. Like you need you need a full squad. You can't just have one good player and then a defense that is solid. But uh, yeah, fuck. The the Mudrik situation blows my mind, and you know what, kid, you just blew your career. You blew yeah. your career, dude. I I hate to be the bearer of bad news, Mikhail, but you had an opportunity to go to Arsenal, who clearly they're trending. In the I mean, that's direction. crazy. Yeah, you had an opportunity. They had a need in that spot too. Like I love Martinelli, and like, dude, now you've gone to Chelsea. We have no relative clue what the hell they're doing. And if you're Chelsea, this eight-year contract thing and spreading the money over eight years, are, are you people stupid? Like, if you – let's say the Mudrik deal works out. Let's say he turns into the next Ronaldo, okay, or he turns into Mbappe. I don't care. Name the top players. He turns into something. You think he's going to stay at Chelsea? Nope. You think he's going to stay at your club, your little Mickey Mouse club? That rotates I just, I just don't like, get the point. Like, why is he there? I, I wish he had gone to Arsenal because he had an opportunity to be special. It's the same thing with Joe Felix. So I wish Joe Felix went to Manchester United. If Joe Felix goes to United, I think United are a legit team. He decides to go to Chelsea. I don't understand why. And you know what? This Chelsea team, like, they're all the same player. It's literally the same player. That's, that's exactly my point. They just keep – they spend half a million – half a billion fucking pounds <laughs> on the same players. Like, it's just – it, you bring in Aubameyang and Sterling, that, like that says enough. You brought in the exact same player twice, and both of them have been bounced by their other clubs. It's just like it's so crazy. You you bring in the exact same player just multiple times, like that's gonna help. I love Raheem. I love Raheem. I know you do, but you can't you can't say that he's like some epic savior to any no. offense. No, he's a system player. He he's the perfect example of a Pepper Club player. Like, he fits well in those two systems. And I'm sick of Chelsea fans talking about, oh, we have so many injuries and this and that. Like, let's run through these injuries. Um, Well, right now you're missing, obviously, Jao Felix. That's because of the red card. Fine. I love Jao Felix. I think he's a superstar in the bad system. Um, But after him, you got Broha. What the hell is that guy proving? He he ain't nothing. I'm not convinced on that guy. You have Ben Chilwell. Sure, I like Ben Chilwell. But in reality, what's the difference between Ben Chilwell and Kukurea? Not a whole lot. Then you have Wesley Fofana. Not that good. You have Reese James. I'm not as high on Reese James as everybody else is. I still think he's above average. I'm not over the moon about Reese James. He's one of the injured guys. Uh, N'Golo Conte. Love me some N'Golo Conte. Um, He's probably the key guy that you're really missing. But even him, he's old. He's getting older. He can't do it anymore. After that, you got Mendy. Mendy's exceptional. But, I mean, Kepa's been fine. Kepa's not that bad. He's still yeah. the most expensive goalie, I think. So crazy. Absurd. Christian Pulisic, Raheem Sterling. Same players that you got out there, guys. 
Same players. And then Zachariah. I like Zachariah. Same thing as Jorginho, dude. Hate to yeah. break the news to you. Chelsea's dead. Um, I feel for Liverpool fans, though, because they had such a special run. They have such a good they have such a good manager, and they are stuck with the worst ownership group in the world. Uh, John Henry and his group of buffoons, they have no relative clue what the hell they are doing. Are you uh, fucking they're officially broke, right now? by the way? Are you serious? You're saying Liverpool have the worst ownership group? Yeah. Compared to the Glazers? Is that who you're compa- comparing to? Are you fucking kidding? The Glazers are single-handed. First of all, they're bankrupting our club by putting all of their losses into Manchester United and taking the profits for themselves, not putting it back into the club. No, we're not talking about this. Whatever. I have absolutely no... I don't give two shits about Liverpool going downhill because one, one, they are refusing to understand that their players are getting older and they may not have the same tactics. Sadio Mane saw the writing on the wall and was like, get me the fuck out of here. How's he doing? Oh yeah, pretty damn good. Also, Jurgen Klopp, again, it's like this exact same tactical awareness every single game. We're going to do the exact same things no matter what, rely on the same things we always had, make no adjustments no matter who our players are. That is not the style of winning football that you need to have in a prem where you play each other all the time and everybody knows everything about you. Also, and finally, it's Liverpool, so who gives a shit? But let's be real here. Liverpool had an incredible run and probably should have done better than they did in Europe and all of that, but they had an incredible run with incredible talent and now they're on the downslope. They're going to come back for sure, but I mean, why, like, why do we have to feel bad for them? It's not like this is some tragic, oh, Henry oh a bunch of players got injured and, and everyone's leaving. No, they just are trash. John Henry refuses to spend money. I will continue to I will continue to tell you, you can bitch as much as you want about the Glazers, and you have a very good point. The Glazers have spent money. They just haven't spent it well. They have not spent money well on the players that fit the system. And, you know, you got an argument there, but, like, I hate to be the very bad news. John Henry is completely broke. That's why he's not bringing in midfield reinforcements. This little pipe dream they have of Jude Bellingham, it's not going to happen. John Henry owns the Red Sox, for those of you that don't know. And the Red Sox are now a small market team. We can't afford anybody. We can't afford anybody. And, you know, John Henry is literally running out of money. Okay. Why why are you saying okay? Because I I forgot about the whole Red Sox thing. and Yeah. They have completely run out of money. They're now getting ready to sell. And you hear Klopp saying it. I need new players. My players are old. For the love of God, go buy me somebody. Please. I'm begging you all. Go buy me somebody. Klopp has handed them a list, and they have literally not brought in anybody. They have not given him anybody to work with. So, you know, all these people that are like, oh, Klopp out. Oh, Klopp's got to go up. You know, he's losing his voice in the locker room. No, his players have lost their legs because they're old. Okay. And all that Saudi Omani money, where did it go? Where'd it go? Didn't go back into Liverpool. Okay. John Henry is a, he is a cancer to a sports franchise. The Red Sox fans have officially learned it. Although Red Sox fans are also delusional. I'm not sure that we've all come to this conclusion. He sucks as an owner. Um, Anfield is going to get run down real soon. I'm telling you, Liverpool is the next Manchester United. Well, I mean... Again, you can complain. You can complain about Manchester United spending money, 
You guys have spent money. You guys have tried to bring in big players. They just haven't worked. Liverpool will not be bringing in big players, and we've already learned it. I'm just saying when you look at what they've done in the last 10 years compared to what United's done in the last 10 years, it's like, I I mean, I'd rather have Liverpool's success in that time. But whatever. That's fine. They're just starting the downslope is my point. Yeah. Starting the downslope. It's coming. And John Henry will bankrupt this club. The same way he has completely just not cared anymore about Red Sox stuff. Everything now is going to be a PR stunt for those guys. Like, watch. Mm-hmm. I bet you they fire Klopp and bring in Stevie G. I wish I could put money on it. I would put the house on it because it's going to be a great little PR stunt, dude. Yeah. And guess what? That is not going to fly in the prem because the English fans are not Red Sox fans. English fans are educated. They are smart. They know what's happened with Stevie G. Love Stevie G as a player. Appreciate the slip, bro. But, like <laughs> – but, like, I'm just telling you, I can guarantee you that is the next manager of Liverpool Football Club because John Henry is a moron. He thinks he's smarter than everybody and everybody else is a bunch of idiots. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I can't I can't disagree with you. You love it, don't you? I mean, I, I'm not going to say that say I want it. Liverpool to succeed. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. We've done our ranting here on these few teams. Let's actually talk about some soccer that is going to be played rather than the stuff that has already been played. We have a big game on Friday. It is going to be Manchester City. It is going to be Arsenal. I'm extremely excited for this one, although I have to admit, I don't think this one is going to live up to the build because what I foresee happening is this is a massive game for Manchester City. They're going to come out. They're going to need to stamp their authority on this game. Pep is going to put out the A squad. They have to send the message to Arsenal. I think Mikel Arteta knows that what they have going in the Premier League right now is something special. He's going to prioritize the Premier League. Uh, I don't expect to see the A squad from Arsenal here. I do not think Mikel Arteta is going to risk losing this game 3-0 to a better Manchester City squad and having his team lose confidence. I expect Manchester City to dominate this game uh, from a betting perspective. I love the money line at minus 160, but if we're being honest, I'm probably going to lay a goal and a half, get it at plus money here. Uh, I really think that we're going to see a dominant performance from Manchester City uh, and maybe another Holland hat trick. That'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, a Holland hat trick, I think, is a, a lot to ask, but not completely, you know, out of the realm of possibility because of the way that City play. I agree with you in the sense that I think this is very much going to be a uh, City win here. And for a simple reason of what you said, I I think that Arsenal are hyper aware of the fact that they are treading a very, very thin line with the Prem. Like they can't drop any points because the second that they do, City is right on their tails. And I think that they are aware of that. I think that 10 times out of 10, they'd rather win the league than the FA Cup. And I think Arteta is going to play into that. Now, I think there is a lot of pride here. They don't want to let City get any sort of, you know, momentum on them in terms of emotional win or get absolutely fucking destroyed and then, you know, have to go play City later in uh, the Prem. But I do think that we're going to see a side that's heavily rotated with Arsenal. You know, I just watching that game yesterday, watching the United-Arsenal game, Arsenal have gotten a lot of luck this year so far, but also they, they ride that kind of high press a lot and the break is on 
very, very often against them. I mean, Manchester United should have had a couple more on some breaks. Um, but also you look at a team like Manchester City and it's like Arsenal struggles when they don't get the ball. And that's all City do is hold the ball. Now, again, they've been exceedingly good this year, but I just think I saw a few more cracks in the armor than I thought I would in an Arsenal win yesterday. And I think that Manchester City is going to utilize this exactly like you said, as a way to kind of get under their skin to show that they are, uh, you know, the better side and hopefully rattle them. Now, that being said, if Arsenal win or even take a point away here with a rotated side, I think that's going to be real, real trouble in River City for Manchester City because of the fact that City seem to, it, it always takes them another match to kind of get over a bad loss. Uh, you know, you saw it with the, what was it, the EFL exit that they had, and then they lost to Manchester United. Like, I think that if for my money, I'm betting on Manchester City because I think it's a decent price at minus 135. I've already bet the minus one uh, because it's plus 125. I see a 2-0, 3-1 type of game. Yeah, I, I really think City, come out and stamp it. Uh, speaking of that game, you know that that first goal shouldn't have counted, right? what which one? Oh, yeah i mean it's, united uh, city game like you you yeah. you are among the more reasonable manchester united fans i've ever known you know that that first goal shouldn't count yeah i mean i'm not gonna say like when i was watching it i was like ah offside that sucks whatever um you know letter of the law i i guess uh but i also but, think and this is this is a systemic problem across the league united player every player does this but like players now have just stopped playing to the whistle. And I think that's a massive fucking problem. Like, yeah, you thought he was offside, but you didn't see a flag go up. You didn't hear a whistle play defense. I'm again, I, like, I agree with you. I, when I was watching it, I was like, there's no fucking way this is a goal. I couldn't believe it. But I mean, you also like shouldn't just stop playing. Cause you think he was offside. Like that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. You play to the whistle, but yeah, I mean, whatever we're moving on. Uh, oh, now we're moving on. I'm, I'm glad that you were able to just. We can talk it. about it all you want because United just That's got fucked by VAR both in the Palace game and in the Arsenal game. So, whatever. You know that you know that Arsenal and Manchester United are joint bottom for uh, penalties this year. United have had one. Arsenal have had one. Come on, come on. I know about VAR. <laughs> they can get fucked. <laughs> we need to just go. We need to just go back to. The refs, like it'll suck no. if there's missed calls, but like no, you, you can't. But you can't show VAR and then show that it's offside and call it a goal. Like you can't, you can't do that because it's like the fucking strike zone. Don't show me the box if you're gonna have a real umpire behind him. Don't show me the box because I know as a fan that's a fucking strike and you're calling it a ball or vice versa. So I don't know. I think they gotta just don't get me started on baseball. On the, don't get me started yeah. on baseball in the strike zone. I've had endless arguments about it, and my head starts to hurt afterward because I'm yeah. right on this one and everybody else is wrong. Uh, but on that note, that has been the debut episode of the Touchline Band. Thank you all very much. You're wondering why we're not diving into the weekend games yet because we will be back Friday after the Arsenal-Manchester City game. We are going to break everything down. We're going to give you everything your hearts desire um, to talk about all the Premier uh, – not Premier League, FA Cup games. We're going to talk about everything going on. We're going to give you some betting advice as well, so make sure you guys check out episode two, which will drop – Friday night for you guys. We will see you then. Thank you guys so much for listening.